Hello, everybody, and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of this show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 87, Self-Talk. You've had a fun week. This has been a, a, a fun week at, at the week that we are recording this. Yeah, you yeah. announced your next book. Woo! Woo! Yes, it is called How to Calm Your Mind, Finding Presence and Productivity in Anxious Times. I love it. Yeah. I actually do love it, though. You I, read I'm it. usually one of the first people to read it. Mm-hmm. And I've read a couple of versions of this because I know yeah. you, you you massaged it a lot, which was awesome. Yeah. And it's, I got to see it like really evolve. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I always love your books. But this one, just I like love it on a next level. It's my personal favorite, too, uh, of yeah. the three between... The Productivity Project, Hyperfocus, How to Calm Your Mind. It's definitely the most personal of them. Uh, so I had to go a bit deeper in, in writing it, which I think is why it took a couple of passes. But I think it's also maybe the most helpful. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think about the stuff you write in that this book. I think about it almost every day Still. and not in a... Yeah, like not in a way where I'm like, oh, Chris wrote this thing. It's just like little tips. And I'm like, oh, I should be mindful of this thing in my life. And oh, that's yeah, a good sign. In a very practical way. I love yeah. it. Big yeah. fan. I'm obviously super biased. Yes. Like 100% biased. I, I on the other hand, am not biased. <laughs> I have no... But I mean, uh... <laughs> other people are also pretty excited about the book. There's been lots of excitement around this. So yeah. Yeah. Stay out tuned, in, everybody. Uh, out in uh, eight languages. Uh, so far, we've sold the rights to well, eight languages. it's not out yet anywhere. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's coming out in December. Yeah, a- end of December. Yeah. And so essentially, it comes out in January. But uh, essentially, the, the whole premise behind it, and we'll, we'll get to the topic soon, but this is, I guess, a bit of exciting news to start out. Essentially, you know, if there's one thing that drives me in, in the work that I do, it's, it's curiosity, Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I'm a writer for a living, writing books on productivity and, and tangentially related subjects. Um, and if there's a source of inspiration, I, I guess I could say for new material, it's when I notice that there's something that I need to improve on uh, in some way. So, you know, working on autopilot mode that led to the first book, uh, feeling how distracted I was led to the second book. This one hit closer to home though for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was on stage a few years back and I, I noticed when I started talking, it felt like there were like a dozen marbles in my mouth and I started uh, sweating and stammering and I felt like just scared. And I realized when I was on stage that I was having an anxiety attack Luckily, I had rehearsed. Thank God I had rehearsed this particular talk so I could kind of do the rest of it on autopilot mode. But I remember coming back to the hotel room after and realizing that there was something that I needed to fix. I was stressed out. I was burnt out. I was uh, anxious. My anxiety was through the roof. And that that was a situation that I needed to deconstruct. Uh, and so that story is kind of in the rear view mirror now because what something that I remember from this process is just all the changes, all the experiments that I did along the way to overcome these phenomenon of uh, burnout, anxiety, uh, that overwhelming amount of stress. And it was a fascinating journey just discovering how these topics are related to one another, like how burnout relates to stress, how stress and burnout relate to anxiety and calm and how calm is the opposite of anxiety. 
And, you know, digging into the science behind these ideas, doing experiments on myself, chatting with researchers from around the world who study these topics for a living. Um, obviously, it's a few months away still uh, to the book launch, but uh, how to calm your mind if you're interested in uh, doing a little pre-order. It is available out there. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. And I'm, I'm psyched to see the rest of the world enjoy this because I love this And the, the fascinating thing is like just how few people want to read journal articles about these topics. Uh, I mean, that's... Okay. <laughs> you say that's surprising. That is not surprising. Journal articles are are dense, right? They're yeah. not ex- exactly like accessible reading. But, and they're also usually behind a paywall for a lot yeah, of sources. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's Which true. makes it not just boring, but also for a lot of people just completely out of, like out of, they're just not accessible at all. Yeah. And, and that was the surprising thing, looking at these ideas of burnout, what calm even is to the extent that it's understood at all. Uh, and it isn't really understood, mm-hmm. though the best evidence uh, shows that calm is the opposite of anxiety and anxiety is the opposite of calm, um, to the science of savoring, to how much self-care advice doesn't work, to how you know productivity might not be the thing that we should be optimizing for if we wish to become more productive, um, how like we should define boundaries around productivity. There, there is so much research that has been published in uh, peer-reviewed sources but because it's behind that paywall, because it's buried in these dense journal articles that I find fascinating, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. it's just a weird quirk of, <laughs> of uh, how my mind works, but um, it's, it's just fascinating how these ideas are interrelated with one another, that when you step back, there are a lot of ideas that aren't talked about in this sphere that uh, can be really helpful. So Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. I mean, you definitely did read lot of journal articles uh, for this. And I mean, it's nice because now other people don't have to, right? You can come through (laughs) all of the actual evidence out there and figure out what what works and and distill it into a much more user-friendly package. Yeah. I'm pumped for the rest of the world to get to read this too. Me too. All right, everyone. How to After, calm now your that mind. you've pre-ordered this book. <laughs> no, no no pressure, obviously. It's always weird. I, I feel like weird talking about my work sometimes because I feel it comes across as self-promotional. or. Well, I'm just excited about it. So uh, I will tell people to yeah, pre-order it because I'm excited and really proud of you. Yeah, and I, I feel this uh, project might help you out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Self-talk. All so. right. On to the topic. Why did you pick this topic? This was a suggestion. It was. A suggestion from a reader uh, who didn't mention self-talk. Or, yeah, I guess a listener. Yeah, a listener. Yeah, I'm reading his email here. Uh, But they said, I I won't say their name. Do you think it? No, No. probably not. Uh, They said, and if you have a suggestion for a topic, chris at chrisbailey.com is where you could uh, email that. But they said, I would love to hear from you and Arden about giving yourself grace or being kind to yourself. Uh, I would imagine that many of your listeners are focused, hardworking people. Yep. Check. Uh, that have a hard time giving themselves space to fail. Uh, that could be failing at keeping a habit going a hundred percent of the time, slipping on achieving some very ambitious goal, etc. I know I struggle with this and it leads to burnout, burnout and discouragement. I'd love to hear strategies for handling my own quote unquote failures or how to reframe them so I don't want to quit every time I don't hit a goal that I set. You know, obviously something that comes up around failure is this idea of self-talk. 
Um, if we thought positively about failure, we wouldn't have any negative self-talk and we would move on to the next either failure or success. But there, there's a lot of fascinating science out there on self-talk, speaking of the science, and a lot of just kind of personal experience that we both have with this subject, uh, especially with work, but also our personal lives. Yeah. I mean, I think what's really interesting is that this is something everybody experiences, yeah. even if you don't think you do. I mean, if you maybe reflect a little bit, you might notice that what some some research shows that up to 60% or 70% of our, our like unconscious self-talk or the things that we spontaneously think about tend to veer towards the negative yeah. rather than more positive thoughts, which is an overwhelming number, right? And even if you're on the low end, like that's a lot. Yeah. And, and it is hard to measure. Uh, and so that is one thing that's worth noting is there are statistics out there. One study that I found uh, suggests that 55% of our internal dialogue, this internal monologue we have with ourselves over the course of the day is negative. Another study estimated that somewhere between 60 and 70% of the average students uh, spontaneously occurring thoughts are negative. So yeah, do keep in mind that that situation might create uh, a different set of thought patterns, but it seems to be above 50 is the number that comes up. Again, hard to measure. How do you measure what's going on in somebody's head? Uh, but these random samplings, we, we tend to focus on the negative. And this is really important when it comes to things like productivity, because it can really yeah. get in the way of what we're trying to accomplish, right? Bringing us back to the whole reason we talk on this podcast. I mean, thinking of how these kind of negative thought patterns can fuel things like procrastination. It can make it way harder to engage in what you're working on. I know in my my own personal work, I tend to have more negative thought patterns when I when I am procrastinating. It mm. definitely that's almost something I use now as like a cue of like, oh, I'm probably procrastinating right now, and it's actually become a bit of a habit where if I notice that I almost immediately just dive back into my work. It's almost like a cue that I actually really care about something that I'm working on because it's just something I'm nervous about and that's causing this kind of like negative self-talk. Yeah. And I think noticing the extent to which this can be a natural tendency of the mind to gravitate to what's negative, that is so helpful, that, that mm -hmm. awareness that can bring. Just knowing that you know, 60, 70, uh, often 77, 77, another study found, 80% of our thoughts are negative. That's an incredible number. And knowing that, you know, that there's a lot of nice things that make you unique, but that you're not unique in this regard, mm -hmm. uh, with regard to how many negative thoughts your mind is generating. And it's for a good purpose, right? We evolved through today uh, because we evolved to perceive threats in our environment. So instead of uh, focusing on a podcast with all of our might, all of our attention, we noticed the, the rustling of the leaves beside us and the saber-toothed tiger that was encroaching in on our environment. And we noticed the threat because it was novel. It was a threat. We dealt with it. We survived to live another day and build another fire. But these days, we don't really have rustling of leaves beside us. We have a little rustling in the corner of our computer screen that happens to be an Outlook notification about threatening emails. And because it's so novel, you know, novelty plus threat equals attention. And so we pay attention to it. Uh, and that includes the thoughts in our head. Our mind is always generating 
ideas of potential threats with regard to the situations we're experiencing. If we're dealing with our email, uh, speaking of email, and we have like a hundred messages and one of them is negative. It's a bad piece of feedback. It's a rude email. It's something that's political. It's unnecessarily rude. We'll forget about the other 99 (laughs) and hyper-focus on that one email, and we won't be able to focus on anything else. This is the way our mind is wired. Uh, But what this means is that our internal environment isn't nearly as nice as it could be when we're trying to get things done. This is also something, I mean, you say this is how our, our mind works. You can also like learn new habits. This isn't destiny. It's just your default. So, I mean, you don't, the whole reason we're, we're talking about this is because you can do something about it. You don't have to mm-hmm. choose to consciously, like constantly attend to these negative thoughts that are totally normal and just come up. Um, so you can, you can choose instead to focus on more positive things and, and mm-hmm. also not give a lot of your attention or awareness to these kind of negative fleeting thoughts that everybody has and they can just kind of be fleeting. You can let them be that way, uh, which is so much easier said than done for yeah, sure. It but is. it can be something you practice, right? I mean, meditation is a really big part of yeah. that and something that can cultivate that kind of ability. Yeah. And we can get tactical now. Meditation really is one of these habits that we can have that uh, lets us step away from these thoughts that our mind impulsively generates. And I, I don't think, you know, and this is something that I remember when I first started meditating, I didn't realize the extent to which my mind impulsively generated thoughts in response to whatever happened in, in my environment. And most initial thoughts really are just a reaction uh, to something that happens external to us or internal to us. So it's a response to an event or a previous thought that came before it. And noticing this tendency lets you deconstruct these thought patterns a little bit and break them into into little digestible pieces and realize where things came from in the first place and these negative tendencies of the mind. And I, I don't know if that sounds hippy-dippy, if it's to do with meditation, the answer is probably yes. Uh, but I think the awareness that not all of the thoughts that our mind impulsively generates are true and maybe a high proportion of them aren't uh, is knowledge that is worth having our, at our disposal. Yeah, I mean... Does that sound hippy-dippy? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but it's also <laughs> just one tactic, right? Yeah. I mean, on a more minute-by-minute basis in your day, if a negative thought comes up, just don't focus in on it. Just try to move on to the next thing in your day and just realize that it's a totally normal thing and don't don't get too upset about it. Uh, and that's way more easier said than done, but... I think just that awareness is a really big piece of that. One thing I wanted to ask you about, actually, because you mentioned this before we were recording, where you, I think the way you described it is you can't, and you used a lot of words that I didn't understand, but you mentioned that when you're focused, you perceptually uncouple from other thoughts. I'm probably butchering it, but I couldn't understand you the first time, so I'm going to get you to give me a second try. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, The research probably makes it uh, more complicated than it has to be, but essentially when our mind is generating negative self-talk or just self-talk in general, uh, that is referred to as a task unrelated thought mm-hmm. as opposed to task related thought which supports us in whatever it is that we're doing and all focus is is okay 
it, it's called perceptual coupling, oh, and man. which is far more complicated than it needs to be. But all that means is actually quite a beautiful thing. Uh, it's when our thoughts align with our actions. And so our thoughts are task related. And so when we're focused on something, really, we don't have this uh, negative dialogue that uh, pulls us out of whatever it is that we're doing in the moment. And so engagement on some level, which of course, you know, is directly related to focus. If, it, if we're engaged with whatever's in front of us, we're going to be focused on it. Uh, engagement is a wonderful way of taming this negative self-talk. It's when we're disengaged with what we're doing that we often uh, struggle with with this phenomenon. So whatever it is to get some accountability, to get some focus in the moment can be really, really helpful for, for this phenomenon too. Okay. That makes so much more sense. And it also, now I actually understand what you were trying to say. Yeah. Yay. But I also, this makes a lot of sense. Like in, I'm just thinking about how this comes up in my day-to-day life. And I know when you mentioned this topic, I was thinking... I don't, I, this is not something I really struggle with, like this yeah. negative self-talk phenomenon. And I think it's because I've- Because you have I've, a perfect mind. No, no, no. Yeah. It's not even that. It's just, I think I've really cultivated a lot of good habits around like really deeply focusing on my work. And yeah. I I love what I get to do all day. Like I find myself really, really engaged with the, with the work I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do. And so I I think once I'm in it, I'm like really focused and can really like get the work done. Which I think has been great. And I'm, so I'm not, I guess, I, I guess this is why, like I'm not having yeah. a lot of these like moments come up because I'm kind of in that flow state, I guess. But the only times I do are when I'm procrastinating or like feeling a little bit averse to like starting. So that's where mm-hmm. this focus mate thing comes in where you can do yeah. like a focus mate just to get over that initial aversion at the start of your day. Um, and then the other time is when my code goes wrong. So if something doesn't work <laughs> out in my code, I usually immediately jump to, oh, the whole project yeah. is ruined, which is never true. As soon as you stop focusing on yeah, it. Yeah, as soon as you stop focusing because something has gone wrong, right? And There's here, a disruption. Here's, here's the interesting thing too, and not to get too into the weeds on the nerdy research on this topic, but the better we're able to focus, the less negative our self-talk is shown to be. Uh, which feels so <clears throat> almost like a... Uh, like a vicious cycle, right? Where yeah. if you're virtuous, procra- or vir- vir- virtuous, virtuous, yeah. Where yeah. if you're, if you stop procrastinating, you stop having these negative self-talk moments. Yeah. But at the same time, if you are procrastinating, you're going to have more of those. So it's, <laughs> oh man, that's, that's nasty. But, but, if- <laughs> but all you need to know is, is the larger your working memory capacity. Uh, so this is how many things you can hold in your mind at one time. Uh, the larger your working memory capacity, which meditation actually expands. Um, And so does taming distractions because you have fewer things that are vying for your attention in the moment. The greater the proportion of your, oh, this this might be too in the weeds, but the greater the proportion of your task unrelated thoughts, so your mind wandering thoughts that will relate to the future. And so you actually plan more for the future when your mind wanders, when you have a greater capacity to focus, and you have fewer thoughts about the past, especially the distant past. Uh, And the fascinating thing is when our mind is wandering, we actually think about our future goals 14 times as often as when we're focused on something. And so this mind-wandering mode, if we deploy it well, especially if we expand our attention through things, taming distractions, uh, noticing these thought patterns, meditation, mindfulness, um, we really do get that time back in these productivity benefits. 
A little weedy, a but little that's bit okay. Weedy, yeah. You pulled you pulled yourself up at oh, the, that's at the good. end. Yes. yes. Well done. A lot of people's minds are wandering right now. So just focus and <laughs> yeah. Bring it back, yeah. bring your attention back to what you're doing right now. Yeah. Anything else? Oh yes, of course. Uh, so there are a, a couple of strategies for introducing positive thought patterns into the day uh, that actually train our mind to look out for the positive things around us. And it might sound a bit hokey, but the research does show that these things work. Uh, one of these things, keeping an accomplishments list. This is something we've talked about before on the podcast. It's just a, a list of the things you accomplish over the course of the day. If you're finding you're really struggling with self-talk on a particular day, uh, writing down a list of all your daily accomplishments that day can counterbalance, can, can let you, it, it lets you put your finger on the other side of this self-talk scale. Uh, so that an accomplishments list in general is helpful, but also recalling a few things that you're grateful for. We do at, this at the, every night. We do this every night. And this is one of my favorite habits that we have because some days are long. And some days are tiring uh, when you're busy, when you have a lot going on. Um, it can be hard to remember what was good from a day when you just want to get to sleep. And sometimes the last thing you want to do is recall things from that day that you're grateful for. Uh, but research from Sean Acor, who wrote a, a great book called The Happiness Advantage, uh, he found that doing this for 21 days, it trains our brain into a pattern of looking for the good in the world around us. It's, it's the simplest ritual of all. Uh, at the end of the day, with somebody, maybe, so you can share the benefits with somebody that you love or like, or like and love. Uh, you, you could just recall three things that you're grateful for. And it's a nice little ritual regardless of how tired you are at the end of the day. Somebody once, I mentioned this to somebody and they, they asked, do you ever run out of things to be grateful for? <laughs> but you could probably list 10 or 15 and you know, every night. Maybe at some point you have to start reaching, oh, the moon is nice tonight. That, but, can, be, that can be a thing. It also... You can be grateful for the same thing yeah. on multiple days, right? Yes. I think on most days, one of my grateful things usually has to do with you because I'm very grateful for you. Um, I am so grateful you stopped talking about task unrelated <laughs> thought today on the podcast. Yeah. I, I mean, there is a little bit of that. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I mean, yeah, these gratitude lists, like you can usually come up with something, even if it's something small. And you can use the same thing. You can be grateful for something every day. That's that's yeah. okay too. You, these don't have to be original lists every single day. And so often too, our our work, you know, it, it tends to make us look for problems in our life because our work sometimes is just dealing with one problem after another, right? If you're constantly solving problems, putting out fires, responding, responding, responding to things. Um, that's kind of a pattern that's worth breaking at the end of each day. Um, and so one other tactic is just to define a few free hours. Maybe you can't spare a few each day. Maybe you can only spare one free hour at the end of a busy evening when the kids have gone to sleep and maybe can turn off Netflix and just spend it in a meaningful way or something. Uh, to define a bit of free time each day where you don't do any work. Uh, to step away from the thought patterns that relate to work. Um, very critical, whether that's workout, work, work, worky work, jobby job work, or whether that's work around the house. Cool. Yeah. That's that's all I see on the note here. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Self-talk. This is something we all kind of deal with. Yeah, you're with. never going to not have this. No. Just deal with it differently. Even monks who meditate all day long have 
self-talk, but uh, know that it's often negative and that it's not your, this has nothing to do with you. It's just the way our, our beautiful mind is wired. But if your mind does generate a lot of these negative thoughts, hopefully strategies like these can help. Yeah. Good stuff. So time and attention.fm is where you can find the beautiful website for the podcast. Uh, we would like to thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, We'll see you in a couple Tuesdays from now. And in the meantime, if you're curious, do check out uh, my next book, which is out in a few months from now still. But if you pre-order, you won't forget. It'll show up. It'll be a present to your future self if you pre-order the book because you'll forget about it because it comes out in January. December 28th, right? Yeah. That's a nice reading period between Christmas and New Year's. A lot of people have that time off. It'll just show up on your Kindle. It'll show up. Uh, Life is Like a little late Christmas gift. How to calm your mind. Check it out. And we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.